Get ready, Avalanche territory. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Denver Sports is your home for the most Avalanche content. Now here's your host, Mike Evans. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I am Mike Evans, as now my name is on this. I got upset. I pitched a little bit of a fit. Uh, normally, I am a man without any ego, but uh, I was very upset at the fact that the Mile High Hoops podcast had Zach By's name on it. And I said, that will not do. I cannot be left out. I must have my name on this. So welcome to the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Uh, so welcome in. And uh, we got a lot to talk about as I uh, shift over to this camera here. And I look at you as... Uh, we talk with uh, the about the Avs coming fresh off the win over San Jose yesterday uh, as we're as we're recording this Mile High Hockey podcast six nothing win over San Jose that I think it's been funny how that win has been framed the idea that this was a confidence booster for the Avalanche it was certainly a get right game we we saw this one coming I I joked on the Schlereth and Evans show. Uh, yesterday morning said, hey, this is a name-your-score kind of game for the Avs. This is one where if you uh, want to place a wager, definitely take the minus one-and-a-half line. Boy, I should have taken the alternate line, right? Could have gone uh, all the way up. But you you could see and feel that this one was coming, right? That you have a San Jose team that's not very good, a San Jose team that's playing out the, the string. They had just played the night before, got an overtime win against Winnipeg, so Back-to-back nights coming in here, they were ripe for the picking. And plus, you had an avalanche team that you know was going to be motivated after losing three in a row, giving up two games, seven goals in back-to-back games, something that hasn't happened in franchise history. So you you looked at this sort of being a kind of a perfect storm for the avalanche to really bounce back. And so to have it a 6 nothing win, was it a confidence booster? I, I get the word. I get the understanding that they could have used a confidence boost, but I really don't worry about this team's confidence. I worry about this team's motivation to get through the long grind of the regular season. And I think at this stretch of the season, this team knows they're a playoff team. This team doesn't worry about making the playoffs. I don't think this team worries about where they're seated. I don't think they worry about home ice advantage, all that kind of stuff. I think they just want to get through the regular season and get to the playoffs. And they see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's still a ways off. So motivation for this team at this stage of the season, I think, is what you're searching for. Boy, they had plenty of motivation for this one because they hadn't been playing well in the last few games. And Jared Bednar called him out after their most recent loss, and justifiably so. He said that a lot of our top guys just weren't there, didn't bring it. He specifically called out Miko Rantanen for getting involved with the fans in um, in uh, Dallas and uh, barking back at him in the penalty box and showing off his ring finger like, hey, I got a Stanley Cup ring here. What do you guys have? And said you can't do that. And Miko... Uh, correctly came out and said, yeah, I got to be better than that. I can't, I can't lower myself to, to their level. But what is good and the biggest takeaway for me about that win over San Jose, uh, it, it's not the win per se because 
they were going to win that game. San Jose is just lousy, and I laid out the, the reasons why they were going to win. But I think what it shows is a couple things. It, it shows that Jared Bednar has a real good read of his hockey team, that he knows when he can be tough on his team, and he knows he can do it because he knows his players will respond. And look at the way that the top guys responded in that game against San Jose. You've got uh, uh, Nathan McKinnon had a goal and an assist. Uh, uh, Tori Lekkinen had a goal and an assist. Uh, Val Val Nachuskin had a goal and two assists. Kale McCarr, uh, goal three assists. So your your big guys, your best guys, who were called out by their coach, responded. Responded immediately. And when you talk about that hard-to-define culture in sports, boy, have we been having a lot of talk about that when it comes to the Broncos. How do you build a culture? What What's missing? So... To me, I look at the Avalanche and I look at this new this San Jose game kind of in, as a microcosm of it is exactly the living breathing embodiment of a good culture. Meaning you have a coach who feels confident enough, comfortable enough that he can call out his best players knowing that they will respond. And boy, is that a powerful thing. And the credit has to start with the players because there are plenty of teams in all walks of major professional sports that, quite frankly, the players don't allow the coach to coach them, don't allow the coach to hold them accountable. And ultimately, a coach can scream and yell and beg and plead all he wants for his players to respond the right way doesn't always happen. And so it has to come from the players. The players have to send the very clear message that, yes, we are fine with being coached. We are fine with being held accountable. We're fine with being called out. And when you do it, we're not going to pout. We're not going to hang our heads. We're not going to sulk. We're going to respond because, you know what, we deserve to be called out. And we'll respond in kind. See, to me, that's when you know you have a culture. And the Avalanche have that culture. They're Stanley Cup champions. They've proven it time after time. So that's why I don't really worry about this team's confidence. I think this team, they have plenty of confidence. They know how good they are. They know who they are. They know that they can respond to adversity. So that's why I don't feel like the win over San Jose was a confidence booster. Uh, It was just simply an example of, hey, we're searching for ways to be motivated as we grind through this long season. And it was a combination of the coach and the players responding where they found some of that motivation, and then we saw how well they played. Now, if there is one player, though, that I think needed a bit of a confidence boost, it was Kale McCarr. Not because Kale McCarr is questioning what kind of player he is, but if you look at what he's had to go through with the concussions in the lineup, out of the lineup, there's just an inconsistency there that no matter how great a, a player you are, when you're when you're not able to to get out there consistently and play and play to the level that you're used to playing at, then you know you need a game like the one that he had against San Jose just to remind himself, "Hey, man, I'm the man," and you you cannot overstate enough. You know, not having a Kale McCarr in the lineup and what that means. We've gotten used to the Avalanche 
playing for a while this season without a lot of key guys. But to me, it's just my personal opinion, but when you don't have Kale McCarr in the lineup, you don't have the best player in the league in the lineup. Let me say that again. In Kale McCarr, I believe you have the best player in the league, the best player in the league. Now, I'm sure I'll get all kinds of complaints from the Connor McDavid fans, probably led by Matt Smith, uh, who loves himself some Connor McDavid. But look, if and I said this back before the season began, we were doing one of our Avalanche preseason roundtables at uh, Brothers Barbecue, and I said that if I'm starting a hockey team today, I'm starting it with Kale McCarr because to me, Kale McCarr is the best. 200-foot hockey player in the league. He can dominate on the offensive end. And, and forget about he's a, a defenseman. He just He's a great offensive player. So he can dominate on the offensive end. And he can be a shutdown defender on the other end. That's, that's, um, that's special, special stuff. And I think he does it better than anybody. So to me, he's the best player in hockey. So you take him out of the lineup, of course, it's going to be a big deal. It's as simple as saying, all right, the Nuggets, you got to play without Nikola Jokic. That's that's how special uh, Kale McCarr is. Now, and this is why I wrote a column recently for denversports.com. You can check it out. And I asked the question, you have to choose between one team, the Avalanche or the Nuggets, to make it to the finals. And I went with the Avs. And for, for a few reasons. One, they... They have a great player, but beyond Kale McCarr, let's say let's say we're doing the Kale McCarr Nikola Jokic comparison, right? Well, it goes well beyond Kale McCarr, doesn't it? Right? You got you got Nathan McKinney, you got Miko Rantanen, uh, you got Val Nichuskin, and this isn't a knock against Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, but I, I would take the Avs supporting cast next to their superstar over the Nuggets supporting cast. Beyond their superstar, you, you, you see the point. Also, the Avalanche have been there, right? They know how to win. They got that culture I was talking about. They know what it takes, and that's that's invaluable. The other thing, too, is that I look at the road to the finals being easier for the Avs. And I've talked about this a lot on this, this podcast, the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Thank you guys for, for putting that on there. You could tell it mattered to me. I'm humble. Uh, but is is the idea that last year you had a St. Louis team that was the only team in the West that was going to show any kind of real backbone and, and stand up to the Avs. They, they are clearly a mess. They've been dismantled. They're a shell of what they used to be. So I, I, I would ask, who is the team that has stepped up into that vacuum to replace St. Louis as the team that you have to fear in the West? Now, I know exactly what you're thinking. Well, wait a minute. What, what about Dallas? Didn't Dallas just put a, a shellacking on the Avs the other day? Isn't Dallas a team that can beat the Avs four times? I'm not ready to go there. Not ready to go there. Uh, as impressive as Dallas's performance was, let's put it in context. The great Sandy Clough, about Chikabawa, who I have revered and admired for so many years working with him, he has a saying that I believe in 100%. He says, you cannot manufacture desperation. You can't somehow artificially pump yourself up into, we're desperate tonight. We've got to be desperate. It's either there or it's not. It's either real or it's not. 
And let's face it, you go into Dallas, and you know the stars are just sitting there. They are. They are waiting. They are salivating. They have this game circled on the calendar. This is their measuring stick game. This is their litmus test game. This is the game that they're going to prove to themselves and everybody else in that hockey-crazy town of Dallas um, that we're contenders this year. We're legit, and we're going to prove it. And so they came out. They were flying. They were motivated. They were hungry. They were intense, and the Avs just couldn't match it, nor could you expect them to. And so... Yeah, what happened? The game was lopsided at the beginning. It gets away from you. It becomes a blowout. But let's call it for what it was. You had one team treating this like it was the Western Conference Finals, and you had another team treating it like game number, you know, 59 on the schedule. Can we get to the end of the season or not? Let's go. So, I'm not going to put too much stock in that performance. Something tells me that if the Avs and Dallas meet in the playoffs and now it's a fair fight, now we're both equally hungry, both equally desperate, something tells me the result will be a lot different. So uh, that's why I'm still very much bullish on the Avalanche. Uh, there, one, one thing that, that cropped up during the week was the idea that the Avalanche have some sort of goaltending problem. Yeah, I know it's been... Kind of a mess. Pavel Fransos has been hurt. Eustace Anandin got a chance. Keith Kincaid with his uh, Bruins-colored, mustard-yellow-colored uh, pads. That's just a funny thing, by the way, about hockey. I had some people reach out to me and like, why is he wearing his old pads? He looks stupid. <laughs> well, the thing about goalies, right? Goalies are quirky, man. Goalies, they live in their own uh, airspace. And... When, when you have equipment that you trust and it's broken in and it feels comfortable, good luck getting a goaltender just to strap on a brand new pair of pads that haven't been broken in. It would be like next time you're at a sporting goods store, go by uh, where the baseball gloves are, okay? Grab yourself a catcher's mitt, okay? Even a real top-of-the-line one, like a $300 uh, A2000 model or something like that. Put that thing on your hand. Hasn't been broken in. And then imagine yourself trying to catch 95-mile-an-hour heat, right? That, that's what you're asking a goalie to do. Hey, uh, put on these avalanche-colored goaltender pads and uh, go out there and face 100-mile-an-hour slap shots. Uh-uh, not going to happen. So uh, until Kincaid gets a chance to break in his new Avs gear, uh, you know, you're going to see him wearing the, uh, the mustard-yellow stuff. But, uh, no, the Avs... Just because the Avs are running through some different backup goalies right now, I don't look at it as a goaltending problem, okay? First of all, we saw the Avalanche win a Stanley Cup last year. Whether it was Darcy Camper or Pavel Fransos, the Avalanche goaltenders combined were among the worst statistically rated goaltenders of all the eligible playoff goalies. Obviously, it didn't hurt them. They won a Stanley Cup. I like really. I'm I'm really been impressed so far with Alexander Georgiev. When you look at what the Avs have done the last three years, kind of going with that. Uh, okay, we we recognize a goalie who's been a backup goalie somewhere else, but we think that he's ready to be a, a number one for us. They've done it with Philip Grubauer. They've done it with Darcy Kemper of of this recent 
trend, this this strategy of going with those kind of goalies, I think Georgiev is the best of the bunch. I really do. This is one guy where I can easily look at and say, this is the guy I want to make a, a long-term commitment to. Now, I get it. Until he actually proves it in the playoffs or the Avalanche win despite him in the playoffs, uh, there are going to be some questions. But I think the only issue I have when it comes to Avalanche goaltending right now and why the backup is important is is not from the standpoint of crucial wins or anything like that. I think it's just the idea you got to give Georgiev a break coming down the stretch. Now, remember, he was the backup to Shosturkin in Shosturkin. Oh, boy, that's a, you know who I'm talking about uh, in New York. And he already this season has played a career high in games and games started. He's already uh, really swamped, shattered those personal career highs in those games. And we still have about 20 games left in the season. So you're talking about somebody who is going to have the kind of workload during the regular season he's never experienced before. That you have to be careful of. So if you have any, if I have any concerns about the goaltending, it's just from the standpoint of you're going to have to find some nights off. And I think it's why the way that they approached the New Jersey game made so much sense. Now, I do not want you to construe this as a fan of load management. That's an NBA thing I can't stand. But I want NBA players to play all 82 games if they can. I don't want an NHL goaltender to go anywhere near uh, playing 82 games. It's, it's preposterous. It just, it just doesn't happen. If you have a starting goaltender who plays 60 games, 60 out of the 82, that's, that's an astronomical number. So really, you want your starting goaltender to be playing about 50 games. So for a team like the Avalanche, you'd like to have like a 50-32 split. Um, and and Georgiev is on pace to to get to 50 games, So, which would be by, by almost uh, 17, 20 games started more than anything he did with the, the Rangers. So that's something you have to be very, very careful of and aware. Don't want this guy to have too much of a workload that he's just not accustomed to and then not be ready to go for the playoffs. So from that standpoint, whoever the backup goalie is, is important. But we all understand that when it comes playoff time, it's going to be Georgiev. And if they have to turn to the backup, not ideal, but, you know, didn't they prove last year that they can do just fine under that scenario as well? All right, that's going to do it. I'll look back over here. That'll do it for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with... Mike Evans. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. As always, love to get your feedback on the the, the show here, the podcast. Uh, please reach out to me on Twitter at MikeEvans1043. You can always uh, text in during the course of the uh, Schlereth and Evans morning show and uh, say, hey, Evans, I saw your big head and shiny forehead on the Mile High Hockey podcast. Uh, here's where you're all wrong. So love to get that kind of feedback as well. Thanks to uh, Tommy. Over there, nice job, Tommy, for uh, producing and engineering this whole thing. We'll see you again next week here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast.